I think I've seen far too many people who've gone from the world of agency to the world of clients become clients way too quickly and have forgotten about all the things they've experienced and learned that make them a little bit different and therefore make them exponentially valuable. Hello and welcome to Grow Up, an APG Canada podcast where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and today on the show, we're catching up with Gareth Kay, CMO at Twill. Gareth is a well-known name in strategy circles. Over the years, he's led planning in a number of the best agencies in the world, from Goodby Silverstein to Modernista. He's a highly sought-after speaker and one of the most refreshing voices in marketing. Having recently made the switch from agency side to client side, he's here to share on making the shift. Just before we dive in, we'd like to give a special shout out to the team at Mint for sponsoring this week's episode. As one of Canada's leading strategy departments and supporters of strategic planning, they've shown a keen interest in continuing to help us foster and strengthen Canada's strategic talent. And for that, we thank you. Now let's dive into the show. So love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners, talk a bit about um, who you are, how you made the switch, and then share your top five tips. Of course. Well, thanks, Michelle, for having me. It's great to talk with you. And uh, thanks for all the work you're doing on this podcast. There's been some great interviews of which I'm sure this will now be the worst episode. Um, so I, I am currently the uh, Chief Marketing Officer at Twill. We are a digital-first healthcare co- company on a mission to better connect uh, the need that people have with the care that they receive. Um, I've been there for just over a year now. Uh, and this is my first time client side. And as you said in your intro, um, I've spent most of my career working at ad agencies. I was very lucky to work with some people far smarter than me who were able to share some of their expertise um, and help me work on some really great projects for some great clients. And I finished my time up in the agency world, um, uh, Goodby Silverstein and Partners, as the chief strategy officer. Um, and then uh, about seven years ago, eight years ago now, I suppose, um, I did make the jump to start my own company. And uh, I started it with a gentleman called Neil Robinson, who was the ECD of AKQA in San Francisco. We started a company called Chapter. And really, it was born out of, I think, a frustration I was feeling in my life as, a, as an agency strategist, where I was increasingly seeing briefs coming in from clients, which would normally be something along the lines of, we need a video that does this or we need an advertising campaign that does that. And the reality was when you kind of really pushed to trying to find the real problem that business was facing was that advertising quite often was certainly no more than part of the solution, was at best being used as a very expensive Band-Aid for a much deeper illness. And we weren't able to apply all the brilliant creativity and strategic rigor that exists inside so many agencies to that real problem, either because it wasn't what we did and we didn't want to sell it in some cases, but more often than not, it was because a client was coming to us specifically to buy a pound of advertising or inside their organization, that was really what they were being put in charge of. So we made the decision, or I made the decision, Neil made the call, that we wanted to try and start a new type of agency, one that was really obsessed by problem finding, really understanding what the root commercial problem was that need to be addressed, 
and to then apply creativity in whatever form to solve that problem. So that meant we were increasingly looking at things like um, uh, user experience. We were looking at things like product design. We were looking at things like uh, onboardings, et cetera, to really kind of actually crack um, a client's uh, business problem. We were lucky enough to work with a range of companies from interesting, relatively young startups like uh, Tokaboka, who made digital toys for children, uh, all the way up to some of the, the big tech firms like Airbnb, uh, Facebook, as it was then, and Google. Um, so we had a great time doing that. What was interesting was that as we kept kind of, you know, building the business and, and working on problems, I began to ask myself some very kind of, I suppose, existential questions about was it actually possible to really have the impact I wanted to have in terms of uh, creativity, having a, a, a direct commercial impact on the business from the outside? And it, it was becoming more and more clear to me that a lot of the time we were working for chief marketing officers who arguably were really either chief advertising officers or chief communication officers. So even being able to have the conversation about perhaps uh, uh, an issue that may need some work from the product team or some issue that may need the work from the customer success team was, was quite hard to have inside many organizations because of the silos that existed and the kind of swim lanes that CMOs were either given or had decided to inhabit by that time. It was clear that it was difficult to, to have influence more broadly because we were an external partner, not an internal vendor. So we weren't you know, an internal member, sorry, of the team. So we weren't able to have uh, access to perhaps some of the data, but more importantly, to build the relationships or have, you know, I guess in pre-pandemic days, the corridor conversations that would occur that would allow you to really better solve some of these challenges and better connect to marketing through the end-to-end experience. So I think Neil and I both came to the conclusion that actually to kind of really fulfill what we wanted to do and the type of work we wanted to do as individuals, the answer, unfortunately, was that we had to go inside a client's business. And again, this is a test that I am running at the moment to see, is that actually the answer? I think it probably is. Um, but the test I'm running is, you know, does actually being inside a client's organization allow you to genuinely um, uh, find the problem that you need to solve and be able to express uh, a brand across the end-to-end experience in the way that we truly want to? It's a very rambly answer to a very simple question. Right, because you've given uh, so many um, avenues for probing on this further. I mean, I think it's really interesting, and maybe you'll get into this with your tips, is that when you're considering going client-side, you kind of alluded to this, there's so many, like, you don't know what you don't know. There's so many, you're you're so blind when you're on the agency side. I mean, I felt that even a little bit, having worked all of my career in advertising and then even spending some time at a PR agency, I didn't Mm -hmm. have no idea that there was all this this whole other side. And I can imagine it'd be Mm -hmm. like a hundred times that um, going Mm -hmm. client side because you just realize how small a component the actual agency portion is. Um, So I guess, uh, you know, again, maybe you'll get into this with your tips, but how do you kind of school yourselves on what you think you have no idea about or maybe it really is just jumping in. And then I think um, another thing to consider is uh, the problem is always thought, or maybe I've been told in the past by headhunters, that 
are there certain junctures in your career where it's easier to go plan plant? Like I have been told in the past that it's a lot easier to do in the beginning of your career. You know, maybe when you're at a university or whatever and the and gambles and crashes whoever recruiting. Um, but then I, I feel like it's much more fluid these days, especially maybe with enough yeah. startups and things that yeah. you know they value that agency experience with all the in-house agencies now too. Which is going client side in a different format. Yeah, no, completely. I think it's a it's a great observation you made, Michelle. I think I think it probably still is easiest, unfortunately, to go early across to client side world. But I think that's an absolute crying shame because I think one of the great things that uh, people who perhaps lived in the agency world for a while can bring is a, a broader set of perspectives and experiences to that world. I do worry, sorry, sometimes that um, in our goal, particularly client-side, to have deep category expertise or deep client-side expertise, the obvious trade-off for that is the diversity of experience, expertise, uh, skill set and thought, and agencies are a brilliant training ground. Unfortunately, I think there is a little bit still of a, a question mark around agency side people fitting client side. Uh, it's by no means, I think, exclusion rule, but I think it is quite tough as you spend more time agency side to get, actually get across into the client side world. And I can understand why, but to your point earlier, there's that kind of just reality, which is, you know, probably no more than five or ten percent of our time is spent with agency partners. Um, and that's incredibly that's sad because it is quite often the most interesting, innovative, provocative part of the week. Um, but I think because of that, it almost reinforces that perspective of, am I looking at bringing someone in and can only do five or ten percent of the job? But I don't think that is true. I think the skills are remarkably transferable and in fact I think if you get the balance right you can bring in a whole new set of learning so I think you know one of the things I'm very keen on doing now um, and I think hopefully maybe the industry can move this way is to be much more uh, broad in the casting it does for the roles inside the team and you really do look to go and manage that Diversity. I don't just mean in the important ways of gender and ethnicity, essentially, and age, but I actually mean in terms of experience and expertise. So I think trying to get that mix of people with deep uh, category expertise or deep client set and side expertise mixed in with the kind of uh, polyglots that exist inside agencies is a, is a really powerful uh, opportunity to build a more impactful marketing team. That's something I'm hoping I'm going to be able to do over time. I hope the industry moves that way because at the moment, I think the industry is potentially missing out on some real talent for the agency world because they're just seeing it as being too stuck into a small part of the job. And I think the skills are remarkably valuable um, uh, client side. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's launch into it then. For those who might be thinking about going client side, what would be your first tip for making that switch? Okay, so in no particular order uh, for these tips, I think the first thing is to really um, think about. Actually, I'm going to link it to what we just talked about. Is don't be shy of really leaning into the 
external perspective that you can bring. When you go inside any client organization, you're going to encounter a lot of people with very deep expertise inside an industry and a lot of people with very deep expertise of a particular company. And I think one of the most important things that we can bring, maybe from the agency world to those companies, is a really healthy dose of external perspective about how things perhaps work in different categories, about how perhaps people really do go and make decisions, about how we might think about shaping marketing plans or injecting a sense of understanding the customer journey or the experience journey over time. Those are things that are remarkably valued and bringing in that different perspective will hopefully lead to different questions being asked, not just in the marketing team, but across the business. And also can do something which I think is incredibly important, which is challenging some uh, assumptions that are masquerading as orthodoxy inside the client organization. There's very much this sense of uh, we have playbooks that exist inside a category that are applicable to every brand. But there's no doubt there are some rules that exist around how people buy or how people behave or how the sales cycle works inside any of these organizations. But the reality is there's great learning and much more learning that can come from outside to help you think about whether these uh, uh, facts really are facts and really are absolutely uh, unchallengeable truths or whether, in fact, there is a different way of looking at the world and, in fact, may lead to uh, a more effective ability to drive growth for the company. So I think, you know, uh, as much as you'll be encouraged to become similar to being on client side, I would encourage anyone going client side to really lean in both in the interview process, but also when they get in there to the, uh, the wonderful advantage that an agency, I think, gives anyone, particularly a strategist, which is the range of categories people and problems that they have addressed over their careers. So don't forget about those, make the most about those. And unfortunately, I think I've seen far too many people who've gone from the world of agency to the world of clients become clients way too quickly and have forgotten about all the things they've experienced and learned that make them a little bit different and therefore make them exponentially valuable uh, to the client organizations themselves. Was that, um, I mean, you know, at times I've thought about going client side and mm-hmm. one of the things that's always held me back is I love the, I mean, I'm sure a lot of strategists will say this, you, you included, I love the variety of problems, categories and clients that I have exposure to. Um, was that ever a concern for you when you were going client side? I mean, as to whether you get absolutely. <laughs> I guess absolutely. because you have exposure to the whole list, the whole piece, the whole thing, not just the advertising or marketing aspect of it, that it makes up for it because you get to look at it in different ways. Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely a piece of that. Look, I mean, I think I'm probably, probably undiagnosed with ADD. I'm always looking for new things to learn and always feel that I'm kind of being challenged and growing and that I'm glomming on to, to, to new experiences that make me feel but I'm, you know, enriching myself and going on some kind of personal growth journey as I work. And I did worry about going client-side that I was going to be stuck working in one industry on one brand, which is very different to anything I had done in my past career. 
I think I'll say a couple of things about what got me over that hump. Um, the first is I actually really wanted to work on one brand, but go much deeper for the first time. I feel like I've done a good job um, in that kind of you know, model of a T-shaped person, having a real variety of experiences. And hopefully I had some degree of expertise around, you know, strategy and advertising and marketing. But what I really wanted to do was to deepen my understanding of how can you take a brand, how can you take all the, uh, the experience and learning we had and drive it more deeply into a business across all the different facets that exist there. So there was, a, I think, an excitement about doing that. I've only just begun to scratch the surface of that a year in to this job. Secondly, I would say it, you can actually design your client experience and choose the type of client you work for in a way that I think can give you a really designed set of different experiences. So, for example, um, if you go to one of the big companies like a Google in the tech space, or you go and work even at somewhere like Unilever, the chances are you're going to move around different brands and different parts of the business, and as a result, have very different experiences. You may not be doing it at once like you would do in an agency where you're working on two or three or increasingly five things at any one given time. But what you will have is the opportunity to be challenged by new brands, new audiences, new problems um, in a very deliberate and intentional way. So I think, you know, if it's something where you feel you want to be able to work on a more of a multi-brand experience, the, the secret lies in choosing the company that you work for really, really well um, and probably going somewhere a bit bigger where there is that opportunity to work on different types of brands, businesses, and problems. So I think there's a, there's a way to solve and scratch that itch, Michelle, regardless of uh, the type of client organization you're in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and okay, what's, what's kind of the second thing or, or tip or learning that you've uh, amassed over this time? Yeah, I think the, the second one is that one of the great skills, I think, that strategists bring, and I think agency people overall is the ability and almost the, the muscle memory to be obsessed by simplification and the desire to bring radical simplicity to a business. What I found, and this is not just about the company I joined of having spoken to a bunch of people, this just seems to be a general truth of life client side is people are really good and really smart, but also have a habit to complicate and to really get into the nitty gritty and to get into the, uh, to use a bad analogy, to show you the spark plug of the engine rather than show you the car really, really quickly. Um, and I think one of the great things that we bring as a skill is not to make things simplistic, but to simplify things down to their essence. And that can be about simplifying what the objective and what, sorry, what the problem is that we need to solve and therefore what the objectives should be for marketing. It can be about simplifying what the proposition is in the marketplace and how that can get expressed in the brand. And it can be perhaps closer to the type of work we do day in, day out. It can be about simplifying uh, brand structures and simplifying uh, brand architecture. So, for example, when I joined Squill, there's actually a company called Happify Health. It started off as a 
direct-to-consumer wellness app, much like a headspace or a car, but had real science at the heart of it. And that became something that was quite interesting to business customers, be they employers or be they health funds. And um, it's allowed the company to pivot to become more of a B2B player, to see some new opportunities, for example, expanding its offering from simply offering what could be gathered as, you know, wellness-grade products into digital therapeutics that needs to be prescribed by a doctor because they had, you know, clinically proven ability to manage and treat a specific medical condition. So looking at things like how they could build kits for the community. So from this singular app and singular vision, lots of things began to be added to the business. And suddenly we had this moment when we looked at it and went, no wonder no one really understands what we do anymore. It's because we haven't got one plan, we've got 16 plans with no sense of hierarchy or architecture. And we also have most of our equity in place in the brand that um, is a, a well being product, which is perhaps the most uh, oversupplied part of the market and certainly the least valuable. And that led us to have a, a very tough conversation with the founders and the leadership team around the need to one, simplify our offering, but also to change the company name. And to move away from the name, you know, the founders had christened the company with uh, about eight years earlier. And that moved us towards uh, a one brand solution, which has two app offerings, and just has a much simpler story in the marketplace of three guiding principles for the brand. And it was just fascinating to talk to people in the organization who were just genuinely surprised and thought some magic had happened that allowed them to get all these things boiled down and distilled into a singular brand and a singular proposition with three principles and two product manifestations. And that was some of the difficulty of business, but it's the bread and butter, you know, of what we bring, I think, as, as strategists and advertising people is that desire and just the muscle memory to boil things down to their most potent essence. So I think, you know, again, one of the big things I'd ask anyone who's moving uh, from the kind of agency side to client side to do is to not fall into the trap of allowing things to be complex for the sake of being complex or complicated and to really bring that discipline of thinking about simplicity and the art of expressing things in as fewer words or as few ideas as possible. It is incredibly valuable to a business and it is something that certainly in my experience people are incredibly thankful for because they're just not wired in that way to see the world in this way. They know they want to get there but don't know how to. And I think we're able to, to bring that muscle memory and also to bring the, the process and uh, approach to make it something that can actually be you know, accepted and del- uh, delivered inside an organization to the market. Yeah, no, I, I think that that um, actually cannot be overstated. Um, I think it's actually, and I think you, you know, you, you're saying this as well, you'd agree that it's, it's really hard to, to be brief because I think within that you're making choices, you're being decisive, you're, you know, taking some risks. And a lot of times we maybe have a tendency, it's much easier to try and hedge your bets and to try and, you know, <laughs> Well, we do all of these things to try and cover yourself. Um, but if you do all of those things, you can't possibly, you know, obviously do any of them well. And, and you know, we talked before about how do we get ourselves more upstream and, and think beyond just the marketing or the advertising. But 
um, having that true North star for the business um, and being willing to cut some bits out uh, so that you can really focus on, as you say, the, the potent um, essence of what you do. Um, again, I don't think it can be overvalued. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. All right. Um, what's your tip number three? So tip number three, let's do the one that links, I think, off that, which is about how you think about the idea of the brand. I think, you know, as people working in agencies, we often get frustrated to your point, Michelle, around can we get brand thinking upstream inside an organization? And it's really hard to do from the outside, I think, because the perception quite often of what a brand is, is the logo or the name or the language across many stakeholders inside a client organization. When the reality is, is that great brands are defined by what they do, not how they look or what they say they are. And that means that brand becomes a really critical business tool to set some rules and principles about the decisions you make inside an organization, whether you should do some things, you should not do some things, you should keep doing some things, and actually more often than not, you should stop doing some things. And I think the ability to think about brand in a way that is much more about behavior is much more about how it sets up, in many ways, the operating system for a company where you create clear instructions for how you move through the world day in, day out, no matter who you are in the organization, but do it in a way that is inspiring so that people really care about doing it. It doesn't feel like a chore or that you're being police. It's something that you want to do as part of just, uh, I guess, muscle memory and enjoyment as part of your job is absolutely critical. And I think far too many times the danger for people coming in from the agency world is They'll get pigeonholed as the brand person, by which they mean, can you go and make us some pictures and words, please? They go and tell our story to the world outside. When actually what our job needs to be is to really think about how do we define a more potent end-to-end experience that lives in product, that lives in how you hire people, that lives in how you train people, that lives in uh, how you deal with customer service all these different touch points that you may have with either an internal stakeholder like an employee or um, a a customer or user out there in the real world becomes really critical. So I think the the important thing is you have the uh, ability and playground when you go into a client organization to really push brands, become a, a filter for decisions that businesses make. The thing you just have to be careful to fight against is the pigeonholing that can sometimes occur, which is brilliant. We've got someone great at doing words and pictures for us. And that is not what a brand is. And I think, you know, we all know that. You have the ability to do it. You just have to fight to make sure that you don't get pushed into the uh, picture and story creation or the solely the picture and story creation part of the business. Do you think all these conversations that we've been having around um maybe purpose help to drive that conversation because it really is about ensuring that that gets activated across an entire organization Mm -hmm. and that every C-level executive finds a way to seamlessly weave that into what they're doing. Yeah, I think it is an important thing. It does. It certainly helps reframe it as being 
I guess, a operating principle for the company. I think that the one thing I would say about purpose, this is an observation I've had fairly recently, uh, and it's probably not rocket science, but I think it is one that is becoming more prevalent, is it's getting a little bit of um, a damaged perception as an idea. And that's because purpose is far too often was misused by people. Uh, that is basically disconnected from the commercial reality. And that was fine when times were good and you were able to deliver to the, to the market quarter by quarter, really powerful business results. I think what we're beginning to see now is times have got a bit more uncertain and challenging and growth has slowed for pretty much every business out there in the world. Is that uh, when purpose became disconnected from actually how it drives the commercial reality, it's, it's caused some real problems. And um, all I would say is I think it's really important that for anyone going client-side is that they embrace the commercial reality you're going to be operating in. And that's not to say it's that whole kind of mantra of, of sell or else, but it is about making sure that everything we do as marketers or, or folks who work in brand teams inside um, client companies are obsessed by the kind of uh, the commercial linkage of everything you do. And that hasn't got to be about showing that every dollar you spend today leads to a dollar 10 tomorrow. You can very clearly obviously build a, a narrative around how this sets you up for longer term success. But I think one of the big things to do is to make sure that the prioritizations you have in your day-to-day job and that your team have inside the organization are completely aligned with the commercial priorities of the business. And as much as, you know, we always used to go and, you know, train people inside the agency world to really understand how your client makes money, it's still true inside client organizations. So making sure you and your team members absolutely know what the latest uh, commercial priorities are and how they may be changing is critical to success. I think otherwise the danger is things like purpose just feel like very ethereal things that feel disconnected from the cut and thrust of day-to-day business. They can coexist. I actually think they feed one another, but I think the danger has been in some cases they've just, they've just lost their tethering to the, to the ground of the kind of commercial day-to-day. Yeah. And, and so do, is there a tip and, you know, you've got two more significance within the other two <laughs> about, you know, becoming best friends with the CFO or something like that? Because I, I, I think it's really true that agencies have a really poor understanding for the most part of how their clients' businesses actually run and how they make yes. money and how they lose money. Um, and, and so I think there's this, uh, and it's fair that there's this, the natural bias against marketing and advertisers because it's like, oh, well, those are the folks who are just going to go spend the money <laughs> and don't actually, um, you know, aren't necessarily having to justify or make these connections as to how the spending is, you know, going to give us positive returns later. Um, yeah. yeah, look, I think there's, yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think there's a couple of things I'd say. Is one is um, you have to be ready to educate people every day about how marketing, about how advertising works, both in the short term and in the long term. 
And I think there's now, thanks to the work that's been done, you know, by the IPA in the UK, by the forays, by the ICA in Canada, and the analysis that's being done by people like uh, Les Binet and Peter Fields, there is more and more scientific evidence based on real-world data that shows the impact of advertising. So make sure you are well-versed on that. If you work in B2B, there's been some brilliant work sponsored by LinkedIn, um, which looks at the long-term uh, impact of how B2B advertising and B2B marketing works, which is um, really, really powerful as well. So I think having knowledge of that research and being able to communicate it consistently in a way that is understandable by people like CFOs or CEOs or COOs uh, or your sales team is really, really critical because it builds a case for why investment in the long term as well as the short term is what drives successful businesses and everything. So I think that's really important. The second point I make is you're absolutely right. I think those relationships cross functional, particularly with people like a CFO, is really, really important, Michelle. And I think, you know, there's a way where actually when you build that relationship, then, you know, as a marketer perhaps inside an organization, you can help inject creativity to how they think about the business model. I don't mean by that some Enron-like uh, creativity. I mean, so, you know, fresh thinking about how actually we're able to make money or could make money uh, in a different way. It can lead to new different ways of being paid. It can lead certainly to new ways of thinking about budget allocation across the business. So, yeah, those, those relationships are good. I also just don't underestimate the need to educate day in, day out about how things work. And then make sure you have the measurement plans and measurement tools in place to be able to go and demonstrate how that is working for you and how you're looking to optimize going forward. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Now, now, where are we with tip four? What are your final two tips? Final two tips. So um, tip four is about the brilliant phrase that Brian Collins and Rose Collins designed, the great design phrase we wrote, point winding, and start selfishly, uh, which is around uh, the fact that problem finding is more important than problem solving. And I think that's incredibly true when you go client side is the ability to diagnose where on the customer journey, where inside the organization the problems lie, and then be able to apply creativity with those teams to solve that is an incredibly uh, underused skill and one that can give your company really unfair competitive advantage and give you, uh, I think, probably more unfair presence as well inside the organization if you can practice it well. So I think it's really about being able to have a mindset of curiosity about, again, going back to an earlier point, bringing in that experience from different categories, different problems, different audiences, and applying that to the business you're in can help you find the real problem to solve. I think far too often, you know, you just jump to, to very simple uh, observations that I made in the We're not selling enough, therefore we need to go and drive more sales qualified leads, making it like a random example. When in fact the problem may be is that people simply don't understand what you offer. So it's not a conversion problem, it's an event problem. It could be the fact that actually one of the big problems is 
Uh, there's too much complexity in the onboarding. How can we bring real simplification to that? It's just that desire and curiosity to find the real problem and use all those tricks like asking why five times to get to the problem is incredibly valuable. I would argue more, more valuable inside a client organization than it is inside an agency. So I'm obsessed by finding people who are deeply curious about the world, about how business works, about how people make decisions, and set them loose to go and find the real problems that we need to solve as an organization and try and avoid the trap we tend to fall into because business moves quickly of solving the kind of superficial symptoms that we see day in, day out. And, and I wonder if that's where another kind of having spent years on the agency side strategist skill comes in, and that is um, inherently looking at things through the consumer lens. Um, mm-hmm. So in terms of problem finding, I mean, obviously, if you start looking for problems, you're going to find lots. <laughs> but yeah. which ones do you actually focus on and which ones are the ones that are going to actually make a difference? Um, yes. And which ones are the ones that matter uh, to, to your end uh, user? Yeah, absolutely. I think being able to test on those things and experiment and, you know, try out something to see if the, the hypothesis trying true is, is really important. And I think one of the things that, you know, I've had to adapt to in a good way is just being more scrappy than ever before to quickly find out at a relatively low cost way what things seem to be problems and, you know, what might work to solve them as opposed to maybe a little bit more of the considered we're going to chuck a big bet mindset that comes with life and agencies. Because by and large, you are investing a lot of money in both production and media, and you're kind of you're betting the farm, so you better be right going into it. I just think the, the ability of it scrapier like to experiment and to go and test your hypothesis and find quick, lightweight ways of doing that is really important, Sean. Yeah. Okay, so we've got uh, don't be shy, share your external perspective, um, continue to be obsessed by simplification. Tip number three, think about your brand more extreme as the operating system. Yep. Tip number four, be more obsessed with problem finding versus problem solving. What's your last uh, tip number five? The last problem is going to echo the first problems. I think it's just, or the first tip, sorry, um, which I think is just one of, because it's so important. And that is, try and fight against the tendency to want to become part of the status quo and become just like other clients or other people inside the organization. Really celebrate your difference. When I was working uh, around my agency chapter, we had a principle which was about the partnerships we formed of our clients and the people we looked to either hire or to partner with when we were kind of building out our teams and that was we were looking for people who were similar enough to get along, but different enough to be dangerous. It's that kind of classic thing about why how you can make one plus one equal three. So you think about in basketball, Shaq and Kobe. You think about Steve Jobs and Jonathan Ive. You look at a lot of places and actually where there's clear difference, but yet there's a common vision. That's where magic really, really happens. And I think there's a tendency for people, particularly when they kind of make a big jump in their career, and it is a significant switch in the career, that you just try and become the same as others and you become like them. And there's a story I was once told um, by, I think, Derek Robson, um, 
if I wasn't a good piece of BBH, it'd be, sorry, a BBH. And Derek said to me um, this brilliant story about when BBH first began to work with Unilever. And uh, this is the day actually before emails were released, it's about company memos. And they got brought in to work on the first brand that they were going to work on, which was uh, Lynx in the UK, X in the US. They had a very successful, long standing relationship, a very famous advertising. And a memo went around BBH saying, right. We're meeting Unilever. It's our first brand that we've got. There's massive opportunity for organic growth here. Don't mess this up. And for God's sake, make sure that you uh, dress respectfully so you don't look like fools. So no denim, no jeans. Wear a shirt, tuck it into your pants, and you know, ideally wear a suit. There was a memo flying around the same time at Unilever going, we're meeting BBA for the coolest advertising agency in London. For God's sake, don't look boring. Try and look like, you know, you're young, youthful, stylish people that really get what's going on in culture. So they're trying to be one another rather than actually accept the fact that together they could do something brilliant. And I've seen that happen in agencies. I'm sorry, agency people are in blindside so much that they almost overcompensate by the questions they fear they're going to be asked of them about are they up to being a client? Do they really get it? Will they be accepted? that you almost, you know, not so much dress, but more in terms of behavior and how you act and the things you work on, you become more like everyone else they have there rather than the reason why they brought you in the first place, which is for who you are and for the additive skill set that you bring. So in many ways, you know, echoing my first point, but just realize that as long as you're similar enough to get along, the way that you're going to be dangerous and bring real value is to stick to your differences. Yeah, I actually find that really interesting. And I've never considered this before, but I feel like of any organization I've ever joined, and this is still true now, is that you're always kind of expected to fit in. I mean, the first three months are kind of this probationary period where it's about, and then you kind of get this review at the end of three months as to, well, how are you doing? How are you fitting in? <laughs> you know, and and yet, is there something to be said in, you know, what you've said, if it's about I mean, shouldn't the agency or whoever's hired you be um, celebrating the freshness or the new perspective that you bring in? Um, you know, the three-month probationary period or the review period is usually the, you know, so, so, so what, what have you done? How, how are you doing? What have you learned from us? Whereas maybe there's an opportunity to think about it from the other side and say, what have we learned from you? Um, exactly. What freshness exactly. thinking have we been able to amass from you? And maybe our culture should be thought of as more of a constantly evolving one in the sense that as you bring in new people, it should shift in a, in a positive way. Um, I love that. I could not, I could not agree more. And I think actually what you make is even more pressing because actually it's probably the first three months where you can have the greatest impact because of your difference. You don't know the business. You don't know the kind of hidden code and rules of the business. So you ask very naive questions. You bring very fresh thinking because that's all you know. And actually those things are remarkably valuable. It's just going to go and diminish over time. If any, anyone is going to go and diminish over time. We're going to try and slow that decay curve, I think, as much as possible. But I couldn't agree more. It's actually that first three months where it's super, super critical. 
Great. Amazing. Well, thank you so much um, for spending time with us. I think there's been some really interesting um, thoughts here. And it's good to know that, you know, as an agency person, you can go in with your head held to the skills that you're bringing. And obviously, you know, once you're going to amass having been on the client side, and if you ever decide to go back to the agency side, well, then you're even 10 times more valuable. So. Well, thank you for having me, Michelle. And um, to be useful for us this time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, Gareth. Thank you for joining today's episode of Girl. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, share the episode, and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Next week, we'll be chatting with Becky McGowan-Banks, Eat Your Dreams contributing author and ECD at Vayner London on how to make things better add up in advertising.